One Hope Church. All right, good morning, everybody. Great to see you here today. Um, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful this morning um, to be here with you and to worship. Our kids are walking over to their separate area uh, for their class. And so I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful to be here with you this morning. I'm thankful that it's not raining hard right now as it rained a lot um, through the night and all week it looked like, you know, rain and we might need to do something different. But I want to be really clear about that this morning. Um, and we may have to adjust a couple things, but um, the main reason for not meeting in the rain is not to keep you from getting wet. It's the electronic equipment that would get ruined. Um, and, and what I mean by that is not any um, any um, downplay on your value, but valuing coming together to worship the Lord despite weather. And, you know, if, if that happens, we should just meet and, and just forget the electronics and just stand in the rain. Because, folks, y'all realize, like, every single weekend, it is raining in some football stadium in the country. You know what those people are doing? They're playing football. You know what the fans are doing? They're standing in the rain. It'll keep a few people away. It'll keep some people away. But people who really want to be there to watch their team and root for the team are going to stand in pouring, pouring rain for four hours. They don't care because they value rooting for their team more than their personal comfort. And folks, that's for football. You see, this is what's so sad right now is that football cannot get rained out. It might get lightninged out, but it cannot get rained out. But church can get rained out. Meeting the church get rained out because people won't stand in the rain to worship God. But a football game won't get rained out because people will stand in the rain to worship their football. Folks, that's sad. Like if you're one of those folks that's sitting there going like, yeah, I probably wouldn't come if it was raining because I wouldn't want to stand in the rain, but I would go and stand somewhere else in the rain for something else. That's a heart problem. We got to change our hearts. Like if Jesus is everything, then it would have to be like, not just raining, but lightning and hail and whatever else to keep us from gathering together. Even if we have to meet outside because of a virus. Like, folks, there's nothing, nothing in our lives that we should value more than coming together to worship the Lord. We should value that more than we value coming together for entertainment. And so let's check our hearts this morning and say, Lord, you know, I want to have the heart at least that's at least as passionate about you as a hardcore Georgia football fan is about their Bulldogs or a hardcore Alabama fan is about Roll Tide. Don't Roll Tide. Go dogs. <laughs> I had to say it. Especially with Marcus. Our Alabama fan friend 
hear what this is what I gotta say, go dogs. Anyway, but I'm thankful that we are here this morning. It's kind of ironic because I'm actually we're preaching on Noah and on the flood. Um and you know, we thought we might need an ark um this week. It wasn't probably as bad as we, we had feared. But I I wanna get back into the into Noah this morning and we'll pick up where we left off last week, but um Let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask the Lord to give us that sort of heart that just wants to worship him, that wants to worship the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we ask, Lord, that you would help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, may we be willing to make sacrifices for your name, sacrifices to gather to worship, sacrifices to where we put you above other things. To Lord, even when it costs us, that you, dear Jesus, are our priority. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross for us. That you suffered a brutal, brutal torture and death at the hands of wicked people because of our wicked sins. We're thankful that the grave could not hold you. But you are risen Savior and King and you are worthy of worship. And if anyone is worthy of sacrifice in our lives, dear Jesus, it is you. But also help us love the people you sacrificed yourself for. Help us to be people who love and who share your love. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, while I'm thankful, I'm also a little frustrated this morning because I have to correct an error that I made last week, what I believe to be an error. And it's one of those frustrating errors, errors where it's, one, you know, it's something that you thought, then at some point, you know, you learned better. And then, you know, in the moment you went back and reverted to the old information and didn't do as, you know, with, with the good, the better information. So, Um, Back in Genesis chapter six, verse three, it says, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with men, with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now that's in the context of, you know, in chapter five, you have a lot of genealogies and a lot of people living, you know, very long years. And it's pretty easy to say, well, we don't live as long now. And so those 120 years are the length, normal length of human lifespan. One problem with that is, um, there's probably other reasons we don't live as long. I mean, that is, you know, God has, has changed how long we live, but there are probably some environmental reasons that the length of time that people lived after the flood um, greatly decreases. But you do see even after the flood, you know, Noah lives longer than 120 years. Others live longer than 120 years. And then it starts to um, get to what we would call today, you know, normal life. Um, you know, expectancy. And we still have people living, you know, around that, you know, around 120. It's, it still happens today, which is pretty incredible. Um, but that 120 years and the Lord striving with man um, in the context is in the context here as well of Noah. And so it seems like God is saying that in 120 years, this judgment is going to come. And it gives Noah 120 years to build the ark and to be a witness and a testimony to the people 
that judgment is coming. So imagine this. The people have 120 years to watch Noah build an ark. Noah, why are you building such a large boat? You know, there's water. And people like may like to go fishing in their little, you know, their canoe or their smaller craft or whatever, or go out and even, you know, sail a, sail a ship around. But Noah, what are you building? Why are you building it? See, Noah gets to preach through his work and word for 120 years of what God is going to do. But still the people do not repent. And, and what we see throughout the scripture is God's preference, even when God pronounces judgment, God's preference is that people hear the pronouncement of judgment. They repent and they turn from their wickedness and turn to God. And then God relents from that judgment. That's If you want to see a, the classic example of that, just read the book of Jonah. There you see Nineveh is clearly judged. Pronouncement has been made. Jonah, remember the reluctant preacher, because he knows God's heart about these matters and God's mercy, doesn't want to go preach because he hates the Ninevites because of the wickedness of the Ninevites and what they've done to his people and to others. He doesn't want them to repent. He doesn't want God's grace. He doesn't want mercy on them. He wants judgment. So he only goes and preaches, he's forced to preach, and he is just pronouncing judgment. He's not giving any sort of like, and I really hope that you, you know, today will hear this message and turn from your wickedness. No, no, no. He does not want them to do that. He wants the judgment of God on the Ninevites. But the people hear the message, they repent, and that judgment is not given to that generation. It's only when the Ninevites again turn back to evil. That they are finally judged. See, God's preference is mercy. We see it throughout the scripture. And if we're paying attention, we see it in our own lives. God's preference is mercy. God is patient. We'll talk about that more in a bit. But in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8... Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air. For I'm sorry that I have made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah was told, in that rest of chapter 6, he's told to build the ark, and he does. In verse 22, it says, So Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. Now this ark, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall. Three decks. To give an idea of the size, the ark could have fit... 522 railroad cars. It could have fit 125,000 regular size sheep. Okay, there's a there's a fair bit of room for eight humans 
and then the animals and birds that the Lord tells Noah to put onto the ark. We'll read in chapter 7 about this. Chapter 7, the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven of each clean animal, a male and his female, two of each animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also seven birds, each of the birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two they went into the ark of Noah, male and female. As God had commanded Noah, and it came to pass over the seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth, in the 600 year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. So again, in that picture, you have them getting on with all the animals and Noah's family, and then you have the water coming up from the ground and from the skies, both both ways. Okay, massive flood. And on the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons. Shem, Ham, and Jephthah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark of Noah, two by two of all the flesh, and which is the breadth of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now that's, that's a key element here. The Lord shut him in. It's the Lord who shuts the door. See, when it comes to God's judgment, we need to be very clear about this. We're not the ones who judge, it's God who judges. And when he shuts the door, when he says the time, the opportunity to repent, the opportunity to turn from wickedness and turn to the living God is over, it is over. God shuts the door. You see, and the frustrating thing about it is people will be mad at God shut the door, but not consider the 120 years that he gives for repentance. See, and today, people don't want to talk about God's judgment. People don't want to talk about God's judgment. But if we're going to be faithful to the scripture faithful to the true and living God, we have to talk about God's judgment. We have to. It is unavoidable in the scripture. See, a lot of people don't want to talk about it because most people don't want to hear it. Just like in the days of Noah, people didn't want to hear a message of judgment. And today, people don't want to hear a message of judgment. I promise you this morning that if this message was preached in every single church in Athens, Georgia, there'd be a lot fewer people in churches in Athens, Georgia, next Sunday. Or a lot fewer people listening online. Because people, uh, many times, are choosing to go to places where judgment will not ever, ever, ever be preached. That is reality. 
that is reality. I, folks, I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. It is sad, but it is true. You ask people, when's the last time in a meeting of your church you had a message on God's judgment? When's the last time you had a message on God destroying all except Noah and his family? When's the last time you had a message on hell? When'd you have the last time there's a message on the broad way and the narrow way? And the broad way leads to hell and the narrow way leads to God. When's the last time you've had a message where people were told that if they have not repented, that if they have not turned from their sin and wickedness and, and humility, asked God for forgiveness, believed in Jesus Christ and his death, burial and resurrection for their salvation. When is the last time that and if the, if they did not believe in the son of God. That as John 3 tells us that they stand condemned because they have not believed in the only begotten, in the name of the only begotten son of God. When is the last time? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If the answer is, well, we haven't heard a message like that in six months. We haven't heard a message like that in a year. We haven't heard a message like that in five years. Well, I think you know what my conclusion is on that. You better go somewhere where the gospel is going to be preached. You better go somewhere where people are going to be given an actual opportunity to avoid hell. Because, folks, the most unloving thing in the world is to let people, Sunday after Sunday, hear message after message that allows them to live a somewhat morally acceptable life where they're not that bad of a person and they basically drift and float down a lazy river to hell. You see... The enemy doesn't want people to know that there's rough waters ahead. That there's a huge waterfall, that there's going to be destruction. See, he wants people just floating down that. Because, you know, what do people do if they realize, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me like in 200 yards, this thing is going to drop off like 300 feet. What are people doing when they get that message? Well, a lot of people, those who are wise, are going to start swimming for the shore. Are going to say, hey, somebody throw me a rope. But the enemy is fine for people just to go down that lazy river up at the headwaters. They're just fine to go down that lazy river. And then, boom. Destruction happens. See, the enemy doesn't care how many people on a Sunday morning show up and fill up all these buildings as long as they're never told the truth. 
The enemy doesn't care. I think the enemy actually prefer it. It's a little bit easier. The Lord shut him in. The Lord shut Noah and his family in, and then the time was done. Verse 17, now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward. Cubits, 18 inches. So 18 inches above the highest, times 18 times 15. And the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life. All that was on dry land died. So he destroyed all living things that were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. There's a question that comes up when we read this passage. And that question is this. How much does God care about justice and holiness? How much does God care about justice and holiness? Here's here are the answers to that. God cares so much that God was willing to send Adam and Eve out of the garden when they had sinned. And he guarded, had an angel guard the way to the tree of life so they wouldn't partake of that and live in that sinful state of death, separation from God forever and ever. And even in that, he promises salvation here with Noah God was willing to largely destroy the earth but he lives a remnant of Noah and his family of animals and birds to repopulate it but that wickedness was so great on the face of the earth that God's holiness demanded judgment again there was a long period of patience there was a long opportunity for grace for mercy for repentance for the people to repent but they would not how much does God care about justice and holiness you see you and I today folks we are sinful people every one of us has offended a holy God the scripture says there's none righteous no not one you see you're not You're, you and I are not okay on our own. Every one of us has offended a holy God. It, it might be you've offended God less than other people have offended God. Well, you, you know what that makes you? Still somebody who has offended God. Because God is holy. Sin cannot be in his presence. But how seriously does he take that is that God puts on human flesh. Jesus Christ comes, born of a virgin, not of the seed of Adam, but yet human, <laughs> lives a sinless and perfect life, 
and goes to the cross and suffers and dies for us so that the penalty would be paid. It's interesting, you know, when pronouncing judgment in Ezekiel, God talks about, he says, you know, if there was um, Job and Noah and Daniel, he says they could only, in their righteousness, they could only save themselves. Couldn't save anybody else. And that was from a different type of judgment as well. Not from an eternal spiritual separation from God, you know, that is based on faith. But it was their righteousness. What does God say about Abraham? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. See, the main thing about Noah and Job and Daniel, yes, they lived upright in their character, but that was a reflection. That was a key that was a reflection of their faith in God. Why does Noah go to build an ark? Because he likes to build an ark? No, it's because he believes God. And because he believes God, he does what he's commanded to do. Why did Job live righteous you know, when everybody around him is committing wickedness because he believed God. And so he lives his life accordingly in a different way. Why was Daniel willing to be thrown into a lion's den for continuing to pray when he could have just said, well, you know, now seems like a season in life where I could just take a break from that. You know, I can pick it up once the keys, the King's decree is changed. It passes. Daniel feared God more than he feared humans. He feared God more than he feared a king. Proverbs tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. A a respect for the holiness, power, omniscience, the all-knowingness of God. See, God takes justice, holiness, sin, and salvation so seriously that Jesus Christ dies on a cross because of it. For you and for me, because I am not righteous on my own, and you are not righteous on your own. And we needed someone who could pay our debt. You know, many people today want to say, oh, you know, the message of Jesus it isn't about all that. It's just about, you know, giving us a, a great example of what it is to sacrifice for others and to love others. You know, it's a, it's an example. Well, I'll, I'll grant you that. I'll grant you that it is an example. But folks, it's far more than that. It is propiti- propitiation. It is full payment. It is full payment for our sin debt. You see, a person who doesn't think they have a sin debt can't be saved. Just can't. A person who doesn't think they they are guilty before God can't be saved. Just can't. Not until they're willing to admit that they need a salvation. You, You know, you ever meet somebody who can never admit they're wrong? 
not even to God, can't admit they're wrong. See, that, 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 that heart can't come to God until they're broken. Until they've been humbled and they have to, on the floor, look up and say, God, you're right. I'm sinful. And you're holy. And, and I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Second Peter chapter three brings us up and we'll finish with this. Peter chapter three and verse one says, beloved, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle and both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. And I hope this morning this message is a reminder for you that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Let's stop there just for a second. It's really interesting. That these scoffers at least believe there's a creation. You know, a lot of scoffers today don't even believe there was a creation. There's no God involved at all. Of course they scoff that Jesus hasn't returned yet. They scoff at the idea that we believe that there is a God. And that he created us and created us in his image. Now, as we've talked about in previous weeks, I'm not going to rehash it all right now, and we can talk more about it if you'd like, but they have far more problems when it comes to having any reality, any understanding of right and wrong, of morality and ethics than we will ever have, because they have no foundation. Their, fa- their foundation is quicksand, and it just destroys But they walk according to their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by which the word of God, the heavens were were of old, and the earth, standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. So Peter is taking us back to Noah. Everybody get that? Peter's taking us back to Noah and saying, hey, they forgot the judgment of God back in the past that God had judged. See, because the coming of Jesus largely has to do with judgment. Yes, it's a party, it's a it's a celebration for the for the believers. But there's also judgment coming. Verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the Lord, 
that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter here is saying, listen, you're worried about the timing, but you got to remember who God is. What is what is time to God? What's a thousand years to the eternal one? It's like a day. What's a day? Like a thousand years. The, the eternal one is not bound by time like we are. Does not consider time the same way that we do. Listen to this. He's not slack, meaning he's not forgetful or slow with his promises. Some count it, but is long-suffering. What does that mean? It means God is patient. God is patient toward us. Listen to these words. Not willing that any should should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you need any more to know the heart of God on the matter? Do you need any more to know what God's preference is? The heart of God, the preference of God is what? Salvation. His preference is grace. His preference is mercy. See, I'm going to say something to you. People go and, you know, people pay for their sins in judgment. But people don't, people aren't judged initially because of their sins. They're judged because they haven't believed in Jesus. They haven't received the gift of salvation. They haven't received the one who was sacrificed for them. That's why they, that's why they're, they have to pay for their own sins. But it's not the actual things that they did. Their, their, their bad works that cause them to be judged. Because, you know what? You and I have done bad works in our lives. So how, do we, how, do, how did we, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, how, do you, how did you avoid being judged according to those bad works that you have done? By grace, you have been saved through faith. So you didn't go and try to just like do more good and do better. No, you realize that your best efforts were futile and you needed a savior. You needed a king. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We have to have that folks. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Folks, are are we listening this morning? In the parking lot or online, let everybody know. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons... Should you be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the the coming of the day of God, 
because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, look forward to these things. Be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. So what does Peter tell us? He tells us, remember Noah and the judgment. Remember the the ark of salvation. Folks, there's an ark of salvation available for people today. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the ark of salvation. All who enter in will be saved. But listen, folks, there will come a day when God is going to shut that door, when the opportunity for people to repent and to believe in Jesus will be closed. How should we conduct ourselves? Well, we're told because of these things to be diligent, to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless, meaning we are supposed to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, walking in the spirit, walking in the way of God, according to the power of God, we are to strive for holiness. We are to strive to live pure and blameless lives before God. That is our goal. So we need to have that as our priority. What is your priority in life? You know, that's a great question to be always be asking yourself. What is my priority in life? Maybe put it, maybe, maybe write it on, on your mirror that you see it every day. What is my priority in life? What is my priority today? You know, is God, God's holiness, God's ways, sharing the love of God with others, you know, sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with friends and family and coworkers. Are, like, are these our priorities or have we substituted that for, for other things? And yes, there are other things that we have to do and other things are our responsibilities. You know, we have to work. We have to put food on the table. We have to like maintain houses. Yesterday, I wrestled with our septic tank system for hours even when in a situation like that, even when you win, you feel like you've lost. But <laughs> I'm just telling you, um, those are things, you know, there's things we have to do in this life, right? That don't all seem so spiritual, but our attitude about all those things is a spiritual matter. That is a spiritual matter. And our priorities and whatever we're doing in life is God our number one priority. Do we understand, like if if in the days of Noah, if we were in the days of Noah, we saw what God was doing, but would we have been the people that have been like, hey, everybody, you might want to know there's this ark being built and you need to repent so you can be one that gets on it. Or would we be like, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm kind of busy today. Got, got a lot going on. Will we do that for 120 years? So look, look, folks, today, God's word is clear, like judgment is coming. There is an ark of salvation. His name is Jesus. People can enter in still today. And listen, folks, all over the world today, people will enter in. Praise God. All over this world today, there were people who passed from death to life because they will repent of their sins and they'll believe in Jesus and they'll enter the ark of salvation. Look, that's going to happen today. 
Folks, God has called us to where you and I get to be privileged to be part of those stories. Through prayer. Through sharing ourselves. Through giving. Like you and I get to be part of those those stories. Praise God. Like let's let that be our priority. Tell people, hey look, judgment is coming. It's not going to be water next time. It's not going to be a flood next time. Look at 2 Peter 3. Are you ready? Listen, I'd rather sound like a crazy person. I'd rather sound like a crazy person and warn people to get into the ark of Jesus. Than for people to go, oh, you know, that preacher is so, you know, intellectually sounding. But doesn't warn people of judgment to come. Oh, what eloquent words, oh, what this, oh, what that, all the accolades that somebody could receive of, oh, we love to hear those messages. Folks, if the message isn't Jesus and the necessity of Jesus, the message doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, if we're not pointing people to Jesus, doesn't matter. Like, like the goals are really simple. Worship Jesus. Live for Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. Like, keep it simple. Like, those are our priorities. Like, love people enough to tell them Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Like, this is what we are to be about because as God's record shows, he is patient and he is kind, but when he says he's going to give judgment, just read the whole Old Testament. When God says he's going to give judgment, it's going to come, especially you know, if people do not repent, you can bear, guarantee it. It's coming. And this judgment is that is coming in the future is guaranteed. It's just a matter of who's going to receive it and who's going to be spared from it. That's the issue. We God wants more to be spared for. He says he's not he, he's not willing. He doesn't desire. That's what that means. He doesn't desire for any to perish, but for all to come repentance. Man, that's a give us great hope as we go out. And you know people are coming to Jesus every single day. So think about that. You know God wants people to be saved. You know people are coming to Jesus every day. And you know you get to be a part of that. That should give a lot of encouragement to go forward in boldness and to share the love and goodness of Jesus with our world. Amen? I mean, let's get after that. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. And we thank you for your great love and goodness to us. But we don't deserve it. We don't deserve the patience you've shown us in our lives. We don't deserve the grace and mercy. We certainly don't deserve that you, Jesus, would go to the cross on our behalf. All we deserved is the full payment 
of us paying for our own sins. That's, that's all we've deserved. But yet you've given us grace and mercy and life and joy and peace. You give us so much. And yet, Lord, we are quick to forget you. We are quick to be distracted by other things. We are quick to forget your mercy and love and grace in our lives. Oh, but Lord Jesus, we pray that you would enlarge our hearts, fill them with your love, your grace and your mercy and your power. That when we see others, we would see as you see Jesus with compassion and share that love that you've given us. Help us, Lord Jesus, we pray. Help your church, we pray. Help this little church to be faithful to you, we pray. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. We'll sing a couple of songs and worship to the Lord and encourage you to worship not just with our mouths, but with your whole heart. And put the bread on the cup and just encourage you to ask the Lord to examine your heart before you take the bread and cup this morning. And may we be with Jesus in spirit and in truth and for him. Mm-hmm.